Mike Matheson had a pretty nice season for the Penguins. I think we can agree on that. But what happens next? You know, the same question we tend to ask shift after shift with this most mercurial of defensemen. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. Matheson's an unusual case on so many levels. When you revisit the trade that Jim Rutherford made in sending Patrick Hornquist to the Panthers in exchange for Matheson, you have on one hand an exchange of big contracts. You have an exchange where a younger player comes in return, a faster player, more dynamic player, obviously not at all the same type of player as Hornquist. And the last thing I would do is denigrate Hornquist in any way. And you also brought on a guy who Florida management trusted enough to sign to a contract of eight years and $39 million. Whether the Panthers are right or wrong to do so isn't the issue here. It's that somebody watched this player, watched him mature in Sunrise, and said, this is a player we're prepared to commit to for those kinds of terms. So when he comes to Pittsburgh and right off the bat, you'll recall the season opener in Philadelphia. This was back in January, and you saw there was kind of a headless chicken element to his game, particularly in his own end, and you're going, what, what's going on here? What is this? What, what kind of player did they just get? And then you see him bursting out of the zone. A human breakout, you know? He didn't need to make a pass to get out of the zone. He would just take the puck and just explode. And he'd end up doing some remarkable things. Coast-to-coast goals. Do you remember the bank pass off the end boards to himself? Do you remember that? That was a real thing. Kind of faked a shot, banked it off the, the, the boards behind the goal line, jumped around the player. This was against the Islanders in Pittsburgh. Captured the puck and passed it across to Teddy Bluger for the easiest tap-in ever. And you're like, what? Who even thinks to do something like that? He had his moments. But he also needed his stability. He needed his anchor. And no, I'm not going to, for the gazillionth time, reminisce and wax eloquent about the Cody Cece era of Pittsburgh hockey. I've made my point on that one. But part of my point throughout that was that he had a calming effect on a player who could kind of use that sort of thing. Matheson was interviewed by Dave Molinari 
of DK Pittsburgh Sports, our website. And Matheson said on that subject, our games complemented each other really well. We had a good relationship, too. It's not like we were absolute best buddies or attached at the hip or anything like that, but, but we just got along real well and understood each other's games, started getting used to where each other was on the ice. We communicated well on the ice. We were able to read off each other. That's not nothing. And the fact that CC was right-handed and thus was going to be a more natural fit as a partner for Matheson also wasn't nothing. And I'm kind of thinking it's a priority, if not the priority, for the Penguins when they get to this training camp next month to figure out who they want to put there with Matheson and why. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania, and they, in turn, need your help. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org to find out how $1 from you translates into five full meals by the time their extraordinary process puts this money into action. PittsburghFoodBank.org. More from Matheson in that interview regarding his overall performance on the season. I just continue to get more and more comfortable to get back to playing the way I think I'm capable of playing. Toward the end of the year, I was playing the best hockey that I've played in a couple of years. Obviously, I feel like I've got a lot more to give, but I feel like I've gotten back on track a little bit compared to the season before in Florida. There's nothing there that I disagree with. Nothing. If all you notice when you watch Matheson's game is the occasional flub in the defensive zone or the occasional lapse or he'll go to the wrong guy or he'll just let somebody go because he's thinking about something on some other level, you're not going to recognize the defensive value that he brings to you. This is no longer 1984 where we look at offensive defensemen as freaks of nature who are liabilities in their own end. Paul Coffey was not the world's steadiest defenseman in his own zone, okay? I'm not comparing Matheson to Coffey, but I'm making a point. But Coffee was worth his weight in gold to your defense because of what he could do to create at the other end. What his speed would do to back off the other team instantly as soon as he got the puck. It was a mass retreat. That now, more than ever, in this beautiful sport, is recognized by most people, certainly by people inside the game, for what it's worth. Matheson's really, really good at this. Matheson has the capability to become more than he is, as you heard him acknowledge in that quote that I read to you just now. He knows that. He knows that. 
the Penguins' blue line as a whole almost, almost makes sense in terms of what it can be in the coming season. You know what you're getting from Chris Letang and Brian Dumoulin. You know that Ron Hextall has now publicly challenged John Marino and Marcus Pedersen to be better, to be more consistent, to be more dynamic than they were last season. They got there. They got there eventually. They started to play their best hockey near the end, too. But they have more in them, and they're both younger. And then there's Matheson, who you, you're now kind of left on an island without CeCe. Really, go ahead, name his partner. Who you got? Who you got? Yuso Ricola, Chad Ruedel, what do you want to do there? Mark Friedman, what do you want to do? You don't have one. You don't have one. You're going to have to either go get one or manufacture one or find a way to elevate someone like a Ruedel or Friedman. Because one thing I'm not doing, I'll tell you this right now, is having Pierre-Olivier Joseph play his wrong side. That wouldn't be fair to him. That wouldn't be fair to anybody. So what do you do? What do you do there? How do you get the best out of a player who still visibly has a significantly higher ceiling? I'm hesitant to say like a star level ceiling, but you see him do things that just make you go, wow. Things that other players can't do. I've compared Matheson to Alexei Kovalev in that regard. Again, not quality, not overall career, blah, 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 blah. Just in that specific context, Kovi could do things on the rink that other humans couldn't do. And you're constantly looking for a way, or you should be, for a way to really, truly maximize that. And, you know... They had that player, but I'm not going into the CC thing again. I'm not. I'm not. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. That's brought to you always on this program by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks, but Fubo TV is just 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And right now, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this program a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com slash DK. Question comes from Carmen, who says, we're digging deep for questions. So how about one about hockey collectibles? I know you're into comic books, but I'm not sure if I ever heard you talk about hockey cards and the like. So my question is, what is your most prized hockey-related card or collectible? And do you have your eye on one that you would like to add to your collection? Uh, I, probably like every other kid, was getting hockey cards and baseball cards um, you know, way back when, uh, that's not something that I ever sustained. 
or further pursued, even though I, I know and understand what it is to love getting those. I stopped a long time ago. As far as a, a collectible or a piece of memorabilia, most of what I've clinged to over the years from a hockey standpoint uh, has been things like mementos from the Penguins' trip to Japan in 2000. I went over there, spent a week in Tokyo. Uh, some of you will recall the Penguins and Predators both opened their regular seasons with two games at the Saitama Super Arena. I saved everything. I don't ever expect to be in Japan again in my life, so I kind of had that sense even at the time. So I was like, I was just going to get everything that I could. Uh, I'm OCD about saving stuff from the five Olympics that I've done, and that includes the two winter games in which I covered Sidney Crosby and Canada winning gold in both Vancouver and then in Sochi. Tons and tons of stuff from that. Uh, Pucks, programs, all, all, all kinds of everything like that. I don't really have that much on the NHL level. It's been more about you know stuff that I've done when I've been abroad doing hockey. It, it's always felt more special. But I'll also share with you, these are a couple of personal items. One was uh, Johan Hedberg, Moose, as everyone here knew him, was one of the best human beings that I've ever covered in any sport. And I don't mean to talk about him in the past tense. <laughs> the Moose is still a great guy. Uh, when he left the Penguins, he was so appreciative of, of my coverage of his early days in Pittsburgh and his playoff run that he gave me his goaltending stick. Now, I have never, ever, ever accepted anything at all from a player that I cover. And this was something that he did after he had been traded. He was playing for Vancouver, and he gave it to me after a game that he'd played in Columbus uh, for his new team. He'd invited me to come out there and, and, and go for lunch with him. And that meant a lot. That was also, you know, again, I feel like I need to clear you know, any misconceptions here. I don't take gifts at all from people that I cover, but this was after he was gone. And I still have that goal stick. In fact, if you watch some of our videos and so forth, you'll see it in the background. Uh, that's what that is. And another one is a um, a memento that was sent to me uh, by Ian Cole and his family after my dad passed that I keep uh, in a in a good spot. I'd written about really valuing uh, the hugs that I would get from my dad, and they sent uh, a marker that was basically about about that. And those those are the kinds of things. But if you're talking about, I'm, I'm going to start getting all goofy on you here now, but. Uh, those are the kinds of things that I've held on to. I, it, it hasn't been uh, cards, certainly not anything along the lines of what I've done in my life with, with Green Lantern comic books. I appreciate the question. Way to get me all mushy here now. Uh, we'll do another one of these shows tomorrow. Tomorrow.